Don't Worry, Be Happy is the title of this message. I don't know if that rings any bells for you or not, but uh, in 1988, jazz singer and conductor Bobby McFerrin sang a song that won Song of the Year and Record of the Year in 1989 at the Grammy Awards. The song is Don't Worry, Be Happy. Anybody remember that? It almost cost me my job in Freeport as far as that goes. But I got a clip here that I found on YouTube. Uh, it's an excellent rendition of the song. Before I play that alley, this funeral home that I did my, maybe my first or second funeral when I went into the ministry, they didn't have sound, a sound system then. And this elderly lady wanted me to record her husband's funeral. So uh, I took the tape into my office and to check this cassette out, I, I sang this song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And I was laughing. I got, you guys probably aren't as crazy as I am, but I can amuse myself. And I, the more I sang this song, the more I laughed. And it was all on this tape. So I played it back and took it to the funeral director. Well, he didn't turn it on. So this lady come by after the funeral to pick this tape up. And uh, Diane, my lifesaver, Diane, you guys can rap me out this morning all you want because I'm bragging on her. She saved my life because she played that tape back before this lady come to pick it up. I can't imagine what would have happened if Pauline would have taken that tape home and plugged it in, expecting to hear her husband's funeral and hear me acting stupid on a stinking cassette. So anyhow, here's the song. This, uh, I like this song, actually. of the song is don't worry, be happy. And I think in this world, that's a little struggle for some of us. premise of the song is found, and God answers it. This is God's rendition, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Well-known passage of Scripture. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. 
Whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes, doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest. Put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he surely care for you? You have so little faith, so don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. That's great advice for living, wouldn't you agree? And do you, the, do you follow it? <laughs> do we have any worriers in here? Are you an excessive worrier? Perhaps you subconsciously think that if you worry enough, you can prevent bad things from happening. But the fact is, worrying can affect the body in ways that may surprise you. When worrying becomes excessive, it can lead to feelings of high anxiety and even cause you to be physically ill. What happens with excessive worrying? Worrying is feeling uneasy or being overly concerned about a situation or a problem. With excessive worrying, your mind and body go into overtime and you constantly focus on what might happen. You, you play that what-if game and it can drive you completely mad. What, what, if, what if we have a storm next week? What if we have a tornado? What if this? What if that? What if I lose my job? What if my pay goes down? And you can drive yourself completely into oblivion. What if the Cubs don't win the World Series and I think you better get ready for that? <laughs> In the midst of excessive worrying, you may suffer with high anxiety, even panic during waking hours. Many chronic worries tell of a feeling of impending doom or unrealistic fears that only increase the worries. Ultra-sensitive to their environment and to the criticism of others, excessive worriers may see anything and anyone as a potential threat. And often this turns into paranoia. Chronic worrying can affect your daily life so much that it may intervene with your appetite, your lifestyle habits, your relationships, sleep, and job performance. Many people who worry excessively are so anxiety-ridden that they seek relief in harmful lifestyles, and we know what those usually are, overeating, smoking, drinking, drugs, do whatever, to try to take that anxiety away, to put, to, to put a little fix on it, as we say, or to knock the edge off. A, a lot of people will drink at night to take the edge off, but... You know, we're crazy sometimes. This takes the edge off. This right here. And a lot of people, we, we, we bypass this and we go to other, other cures other than, than God and we get away from that. Worry has a cousin by the name of anxiety. God's word addresses it as well, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then verse 7 is what happens if we trust God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And who in here doesn't want that? Who would raise their hand today and say, you know what, I don't want my heart guarded or my mind at peace in Christ. What is anxiety? Anxiety is a normal reaction to stress. 
And, and don't we have a lot of that in our lives sometimes? Ongoing anxiety, though, may be the result of a disorder such as a generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, or social anxiety. Now get this. Anxiety disorders are commonplace in the United States of America, affecting over 40 million adults. Anxiety manifests itself in multiple ways and does not discriminate by age, gender, or race. The Center for Disease Control reports that 11% of Americans are on antidepressants. What do you think about that? The population of the United States of America, and 11%. And the thing about anxiety, it can kill you or make you sick. Chronic worry and emotional stress can trigger a host of health problems. The problems occur when fight or flight is triggered daily by excessive worry and anxiety. You get out of bed that way. When you first wake up, your, your first thoughts aren't on Christ and putting on the armor of God and going out. We go back to what there, what there is to worry about today or that stress that's upon us. The fight or flight response causes the body's sympathetic nervous system to release stress hormones such as cortisol. These hormones can boost blood sugar levels and triglycerides that can be used by the body for fuel. The hormones also cause physical reactions such as difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headache, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, and twitching. When the excessive fuel in the blood isn't used for physical activities, the chronic anxiety and outpouring of stress hormones can have serious physical consequences, including suppression of the immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, short-term memory loss, premature coronary artery disease, and heart attack. If excessive worrying and high anxiety goes untreated, they can lead to depression and even suicidal thoughts. That's serious business, isn't it? God says, don't worry, but I don't know if we always listen to his word. As always, God has a remedy for all of our Ills, Ills and for the world's ills. Again, Matthew 8, 25 through 34. And when these things come upon us, this is where we need to go first. This is the words of Jesus to you this morning. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food, drink, or clothes, doesn't life consist more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in their barns because your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow... Won't he more surely care for you? I think that next little sentence pretty much nails us sometimes. You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Here's seven reasons God says we shouldn't worry. Number one, life is much more than food and drink and clothes. Verse 25, the same God who created you can be trusted with all the details of your life. Number two, when we worry about 
Tomorrow it causes us to lose God's focus for today, verse 26. Number three, worry harms us instead of helping us. It can damage our health, consume our thoughts. We lose focus on serving Christ and affects the way we treat other people. It causes us to lose trust in God. Number four, worry causes us to take our lives and basic needs out of God's hands and place them in our own. We shut out God, verses 28 through 30, and we ignore him. Number five, worry causes us to lose our kingdom focus and purpose. Remember, we are all called and gifted. Worry distracts that vision. Worry distracts the reason you're here on this planet, actually. Number six, worry keeps us from pursuing our God-given priorities. All Jesus' followers must settle the question of priorities. What is first in my life? Not what is first just on Sunday morning, but what's going to be first priority in the morning when you open your eyes and wake up? And on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday till you get back to Sunday. I fear way too many followers of Christ, they only focus on God on Sunday. It's the only day that they really give him their attention. And I think that's a problem and that's what Christ is is addressing here. Our priorities have to be different from unbelievers, from pagans. It's a funny word we don't use today. We don't call people pagans. The Bible does, but we... We say unbelievers are those who don't know Christ. Their priorities are these, comfort, security, money, and fashion. It's the top four priorities in people that don't know Christ. And you see how that bleeds into our lives. You see how that bleeds into the church, to we who are followers of Christ. Our top priorities are comfort, security, money, and fashion. The word seek is a present imperative, a command to fulfill a continuing obligation. To seek the kingdom means both to submit to God's sovereignty here and now and work for the future kingdom. To seek his righteousness means to seek to live it as God requires, to truly seek these things first for loyalty and commitment to Christ. What is most important to you? What do you seek first? Think about that. I think we get together, it's, it's, it, it's time, we worship together, but it, it's time for a self-evaluation. Because not, God's asking you questions today through the likes of me and Pastor Jeff, who does a great job as well. He brings us, God brings us to his attention, so to speak, through his servants. So what do you seek first? People, objects, goals, money, pleasure, and other desires all compete for priority. These all cry out in our lives to be first. But you're in charge of your life. You're the one that makes that decision. As you look at a diagram of your life and you've got the throne of your heart, who do you put on that throne? That's your choice. There's consequences to that. We put Christ on that throne and we're at peace, we're more at peace, we're, we're more where we should to be. But when we take Jesus off and put ourselves back up there, then things start to go haywire. And you know what we do the first thing? We blame God. Man, Lord, why did you let this happen? You notice in that passage of Scripture, there's a two-little word that packs a big thump. It's the word if. God will bless us if we live for him. He's not going to bless us if we live for ourselves. It's as simple as that. You might still be his kid, but you wonder why the blessings aren't coming, and you wonder why you're miserable, and you wonder why you come to church, and during worship you don't feel or sense anything. And I know it's not on feelings, but nonetheless, the Holy Spirit works that way. 
Number seven. Seventh reason why we shouldn't worry. Living is living in the moment for God helps us focus and keeps us from worrying about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. It's an appeal to common sense. Jesus explains that what we worry about happening tomorrow may not happen. It's a waste of time doing it. Each day has enough trouble. I think we could all say amen to that. We plan for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, isn't it? Careful planning is thinking ahead about goals and steps and schedules and trusting in God's guidance. If you're a worrier, you need to quit because it is sinful and produces fear. It's a disease causing other ills. Worry is borrowing trouble that cannot be paid back, brooding over what may not happen, creating trouble, misery, death, a burden borrowed from tomorrow and others who should carry it. Worry is a weight that kills prematurely. It's mental and physical suicide. It's a grave digger that has no sympathy. Needless and wasted time and effort that should be spent on worthwhile things. A robber of faith, peace, and trust in the never-failing Heavenly Father. It's a stumbling block to others. A disgrace to God and should never be indulged in by believers. Anxiety over what is nothing today and less tomorrow in view of faith. Anticipating trouble which seldom comes to those who trust God. Worry is a torment over something that will likely be a blessing if it comes. Living like an orphan without a heavenly father, a crime against God, man, and nature, and better judgment, a mental cruelty to self and to others. And it's foolish. For whatever is going to happen cannot be stopped by worry, and it doesn't happen. And if it doesn't happen, there's nothing to worry about. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. It's that huge little two-letter word. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why? Be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And he will give you all you need from day to day if. It's like that is in bold and it leaps off the page to me. He'll give you all you need from day to day. Condition, if. If you will live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Are you living for God this morning? Is he your first priority above everything else? Is the kingdom of God your primary concern? How does one accomplish this? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then in verse 7, look what happens if we trust God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry, be happy. There are some people that's never happy, ever. I'm sad for them. Because the cares and the things in life, the stress has built up in their life, and it's robbed them of that. Why are we happy as followers of Christ? Why are we happy? Because we have Jesus in our hearts Jesus is the joy of our salvation, who is the Almighty One, Revelation 1, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the Advocate, 1 John 2, 1, author of Perfector of our Faith, Hebrews 12, 2. He's the Authority, Matthew 28, 18. He's the Bread of Life, 
John 6.35, he's the beloved son of God, Matthew 3.17. He's the bridegroom, Matthew 9.15. He's the chief cornerstone, Psalm 118.22. He is our deliverer, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Revelation 19.11, he is the faithful and the true. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and weighs his word. Jesus is the good shepherd, John 10, 11. He's the great high priest, Hebrews 4, 14. He's the head of the church, Ephesians 1, 21. He is the holy servant, Acts 4, 29 and 30. He's the great I am. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am, John 8, 58. He's Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14. He's an indescribable gift, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. He's the judge, Acts 10, 42. He's the king of kings, Revelation 7, 14. He's the lamb of God, John 1, 29. He's the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Revelation 5, 5. He is the Lord of all, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Jesus is the mediator, 1 Timothy 2, 5. He's Messiah, John 1, 41. He's the mighty one, Isaiah 60, 16. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. He is the one who sets us free, John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He is our hope, 1 Timothy 1.1. 1, 1. He's our peace, Ephesians 2.14. Prophet, Mark 6.4. Redeemer, Job 19.25. Risen Lord, 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4. He is the rock, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ, 1 Corinthians 10.4. He's a sacrifice for our sins, 1 John 4.10. He's Savior, Luke 2.11. Son of man, Luke 19. 10, Son of the Most High, Luke 132, Supreme Ruler over all, 1 Corinthians 1, 16 and 17. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25. He's the door, John 10, 9. He's the way, John 14, 6. He's the word, John 1, 1. He's the true vine, John 15, 1. He's the truth, John 8, 32. He's the victorious one, Revelation 3, 21. And he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Isaiah 9, 6. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He has my back. He has my front. He has my side. He is under me. He is over me. He is in me. He is in my heart and soul. Why should I worry? Why should I not be happy? He gives me peace. And we have those times, my my friends, that we hurt for people and we wish that we could just go touch them and make them whole. God has the power. I have no power. The only power that is bestowed upon me is the power of the Holy Spirit that he works through me. God does miraculous healings in lives and bodies and hearts. But it's his call. It's not mine. I cannot order him around. I cannot make him do things. It's my function as his kid is to love him and to believe in him and follow him regardless. And in this, to have the joy of the Lord in my heart. That's its whole order for us. You can tell how much you're run by human emotion or the Holy Spirit by the way you react to things and the way you deal with people. Because there are some people and some situations that we have to do it under the power of the Holy Spirit or we would just completely fall apart. So the question today, right here, right now, 
Does he make you happy? In the course of your daily life, does knowing Jesus make you happy? Does he ever make you smile? You ever feel his presence enough that you break out in song or raise your hands or praise God in some way? Are his words resonating in your heart about worry? Hey, there's tons of stuff. If you want to worry, I can give you a list. We don't have to get a list. Look at the paper. Read the paper. Listen to the news. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing, Jesus says. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? You see, in this life, like I said, we don't, we don't say pagan. It probably offends somebody, but in, in these days, anything offends anybody. But you see how God can use us to speak into people's lives in this day and age where there is turmoil, where, where the country is completely split and divided. And, and, and I'm not going to get into that, but I mean, just watch TV for a while. It's, it's almost too much, actually. It's like the announcers who don't like the Cubs. I can't stand it. I had to turn the volume off last night. But, uh, I know that guy's a good pitcher. But them announcers, they got God the Father, Jesus, and then Kluber. They got that stinking pitcher up there. It's that bad. I'm a whiner. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> Man, oh, man. Anyhow, does God's words resonate in your life enough that when you are in the midst of people that you know without a shadow of a doubt do not know Jesus, they're watching you, and they're listening to how you respond to these things that happen in life. Whether it's an illness, whether it's a sickness, whether, whether it's a, 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 a hurricane, whether it's, it's something in, happening in Washington, D.C., I can go on and on. But, but they, they watch you. Do you, how, how do you. What comes out of your mouth? What, what's the reaction? And that's why he says, don't be like these other guys. What are they deep? They're, con, they're not concerned about these things. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Your needs are covered. And he will give you all you need from day to day. Boom. If, 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 if you live for him. If you don't live for him, the blessings aren't going to be there. I can't say that any more plain. And that's why we get upset with God, because he doesn't pour all these blessings on him. We're not living for him. We're living for ourselves. That's the point. But if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern, that, that's, two different, that's two different issues there. Putting God first, making him priority, and then acting that out in your life and making the kingdom a primary concern. Make it concern the gift or gifts that he's given you, whether you're using them in the kingdom. That, that is the point. I pray, friends, that you are living for him, and God is your first priority. And he's the first thing you think about when you wake up. And the last thing you think about before you close your eyes. If not, I want you to pray about it this morning. You, you want to be prayed with this morning. You feel like you want to lay a burden down. That, that's why we have this altar. But more than anything else, I want you to be at peace 
I want you to have some times in your life where you're happy because the joy of the Lord, and you know regardless of what happens, that God Almighty is going to stay on that throne. Nothing's going to shake him off of it. He's going to be on it. And it goes back to this whole turmoil that the country is in. And it don't matter who's president to me. Almighty God, my God, my Father is going to be on that throne. I don't draw my security from the government. I draw all my security from him. And he gives me peace. Lord, we love you. And thank you for being real. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a God that who is alive and who is active and full of fire and full of passion. And you bring that to us through you, Holy Spirit. And if we listen, there's that word again, if. If we do that, you'll give us all we need. You will guide and direct us. You will order our steps. And you will help us in speaking at the words that we choose to a world that, to me, is in turmoil and needs your touch so badly. Thanks again for these dear folks that have come here this morning to be your family. May we just listen and be obedient now, Holy Spirit, as you speak to us, for we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.